Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. What sets a believer in Christ apart from other people? We look the same as others. We're sinners just like everybody else. However, our hearts and our spirits are different. We know that we've chosen to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, making him Lord and master of our lives instead of ourselves. When we do that, however, Jesus promises to send us a helper to guide us and teach us. Who's that helper? What does he do for us? How do we know what he's calling us to do? I'm Debbie Blank, continuing our review of the Bible to understand who God is with our focus today on the Holy Spirit. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. The Holy Spirit may be the most mysterious and misunderstood person of the triune God. Ask people about the Holy Spirit, and you may hear a variety of answers, including an impersonal force, an unknowable power, influential and possibly divine, but without the attributes we connect with an actual person. Yet nothing could be further from the truth. Taking just a sample of his titles, helper, advocate, counselor, teacher, they describe not just a divine person, but one who has a very caring and intimate relationship with believers. If you are a believer, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and growing in that intimate relationship. And if you are not, the Holy Spirit is the one who is seeking to soften your heart and draw unbelievers into a saving relationship with the Father and Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that God dwells with us. But what does that look like? How do we understand all that? We're going to go through a bunch of scripture today in order to see who the Holy Spirit is and how he's described in scripture and what he does in scripture. As we've learned about God the Father as our Heavenly Father, as we learned about the Trinity to understand the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, then of course to study Jesus, our Lord and Savior, it's only natural that we move into the third person of the Trinity. I called him the Holy Ghost because a lot of people call him that, whereas we call him a spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is first introduced in Scripture in Genesis 1-2 as the Creator God. It says, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Well, he wasn't just kind of flying over them. He wasn't just there. He was vibrating. That's what it means that he was moving over the waters. He was vibrating. He was the source of energy at the time of creation. So in Genesis 1-1, we saw God the Father, Elohim. In Genesis 1-2, we see the Holy Spirit of creation. And in John 1-1 and 2, we saw Jesus as creator. Is it possible that these were just beings that happened to be there at creation? No, it's not possible, because that means that they would have had to exist before the creation of our universe, which makes them eternal. All three of them are eternal, and yet the three of them are one person. That We talked about that triune God, the Trinity we know them as. 
How do we know that each one of them is God? Because we've read scripture where each one of them is called God and displays all of the attributes of God. And the same thing we're going to find out today with the Holy Spirit. And God is spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is spirit. And Jesus was pre-incarnate before he came to earth as spirit. So there is that spiritual aspect of God being spirit. Sometimes I think people might be confused when they think of Holy Ghost, as you mentioned, which is a real common way of looking at it when we were reading the King James Version in particular. And I think that's why sometimes people think, well, It's not as real. The Holy Ghost is something that's not really real, but the Holy Ghost is very real and is a person. That's right. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, he's called the Spirit of God. In Exodus 31, 3, it reads, I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. Now, the context there is that God is telling Moses that he's given real wisdom to the people who are going to craft the Ark of the Covenant and the things in the tabernacle. And God, it says, gave them the Spirit of God. Now, if you have wisdom and understanding and knowledge, as this passage says, those are internal qualities. Being the temple of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that's an internal quality. It's not external. That means the Spirit who resides inside of us, the Spirit of God who came upon people in the Old Testament, He integrates into our lives, into our very being and our hearts and our minds and our thoughts. And He gives us the wisdom of God. Understand in the Old Testament, until Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead, The Holy Spirit came upon people. He did not indwell them. For example, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 17, God told Moses that he needed to have 70 elders who would do the work with Moses because it was too overwhelming for Moses to do. So what it says about them is, then I will come down and speak with you there and I will take of the Spirit who is upon you, catch that, upon you, not in you, and will put him upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you will not bear it all alone. And probably the most familiar passage is David. In First Samuel sixteen 13, we're told that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. So the Holy Spirit didn't indwell people in the Old Testament. He came upon them and he gave them the wisdom and the guidance and everything they needed to serve God during that time. But also we know, if you look at the first king of Israel, who was Saul, that the Holy Spirit, God would bring upon people, but he would also take the Spirit away when they did not walk with God or when their work was done. Then they wouldn't have needed that Spirit anymore to do the work of God. So the Holy Spirit is mentioned throughout the whole Old Testament. And yet he was so important in the same way he's important to us today because he empowers us to do his work. And back then, that's what they depended on. In order to do his work, they needed his power. So they would pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And it tells us just that very thing that the Spirit did God's work in the Old Testament. In 2 Kings 2.16, we're reminded, Behold now, there are with your servants 50 strong men. Please let them go and search for your master. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up, and this is talking about Elijah, 
has taken him up and cast him on some mountain or in some valley. So there the Spirit of the Lord did the work of the Lord. Before Jesus came in the physical manifestation of God, you have the Spirit of God doing God's work. That Spirit is the same Spirit that we have today, only in a different form because that Holy Spirit indwells us today. We see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus to the disciples. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. So Jesus was saying that when the Holy Spirit came upon us, he was going to empower us. The word power there that the Holy Spirit gives us is dunamis in the Greek, where we get the term dynamite. It's also the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Imagine God's power used through the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead indwells in us. That means we can do anything with God's power for his glory and for his purposes, just like God has done throughout all of the Bible. And that same power, that resurrection power that you talked about indwelling in us means that those who believe in Jesus will never die. He tells us that in the New Testament, that's a promise. And you can see how that could be if the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that Holy Spirit is never going to die. That's God. So that Holy Spirit will go straight to heaven, will carry us to heaven with him. We're told in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, then when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we believe the gospel message, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let me read the whole passage. It says, in Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. Now keep that in mind. First, you need to hear the gospel of salvation. You need to have faith. And then you need to believe in Jesus Christ, that gospel message, then you were sealed in Jesus with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That's a promise. You want to memorize Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Whenever you doubt God or you doubt who you are or your relationship with him, those verses will remind you of the decision that you've made and how God uses his Holy Spirit to draw you to himself. A seal cannot be broken. That means forever now we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Now think about that. As such, and in the fact that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, what kind of responsibility does that give us? If Jesus was standing right next to you in every single thing you did and you could see him all the time, Would you live your life differently? I think a lot of us would. Well, the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. He's with us all the time. Should we not live our life differently? Live it for the Lord and for his glory rather than for what we want? The answer is yes, we should. That's God's plan for us. That's why Jesus promised us in John 14, 15, and 16. He says, I'm going to send you a helper and he's going to give you wisdom He's going to teach you. He's going to bring all things to remembrance to you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And because Jesus isn't here, he's up in heaven making intercession for us. He's given us the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, our guide. 
it would have been awesome to live at the time of Jesus and to learn from him and sit at his feet. But we don't need that because we have the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus, living inside of us. If we will invite him in by inviting Jesus to be Lord of our lives, and if we will listen to him and not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's with us all the time, and that's what makes him the most intimate of all beings that could be with us, where we could have a relationship with someone who knows our very thoughts before we even think them, knows everything that we're going to do, everything that we're doing. This is why you can't hide anything from the Holy Spirit. And so there's no need to even try. You have someone who loves you and is with you, indwelling you all the time. He's your most intimate companion. It's wonderful to have that Spirit of God with us all the time in whatever we do. You mentioned about we don't want to quench the Spirit. We want that Spirit to fill us up. It's possible to be filled with the Spirit. It's also possible, as you said, to quench the Spirit, to resist the Spirit, to grieve the Spirit within us. If we're pushing Him down and we're not listening, we can do that. We can diminish the influence of the Holy Spirit. He won't leave us because we're permanently indwelt, but we can cause that influence to be less because of our actions and our attitudes. That's so important to understand that the Holy Spirit will never leave us. Remember, he has sealed us. So no matter what we do, even if we quench the Spirit, even if we turn away from him or don't listen to him or don't obey him, he will never leave us. What he will do is he will consistently try and speak to us, try and convict us of our sins, because we're told in John that that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. In John 16, 12 to 14, we learn what Jesus had to say about the Spirit. He said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at this present time. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and disclose to you. So Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us. He says that again in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. You know, a lot of people are afraid to share the gospel with people because they won't know what to say or they don't know enough about the word of God to share the gospel. Well, I just am reminded of that verse I just read. He will bring to remembrance everything we need to say at the moment we need to say it, whether it's sharing the gospel or just being a follower of Jesus. If we will commit our lives to him and be obedient to what Jesus has told us, listen to the Holy Spirit, obey him and his teachings, we don't have to worry about anything because he's going to give us all the guidance we need. I mean, we're just two people getting on the radio and sharing the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit who speaks through us and guides us and gives us the wisdom to say what we say so that it will affect the hearts of you, our hearers. We don't want you just to listen to words. We want your life to be changed by the word of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who resides in you, who does that changing. Just like he changes us, he changes you and he will grow you closer to Jesus Christ. 
And it's the way the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of the scriptures. He did that for the Old Testament writers and the indwelling Holy Spirit did that for those who wrote the New Testament. It enabled those disciples to evangelize and the Holy Spirit also gave them the spirit of prophecy. It says that he would tell them the things that would come about. He would disclose to them the things that were to come. And he did. That's why we have future prophecies written in scripture, many of which have yet to be fulfilled, which means we are going to see them perhaps in our lifetimes because the time is coming soon for the return of Jesus. We're told in John sixteen eight, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And that is the Holy Spirit's number one job is to convict the world of sin so that they will then turn to Jesus, which again, we just read in John 16, 14, is his position also to glorify Jesus Christ. So it is the Holy Spirit who draws people to him. We don't do it. Our magic words don't lead somebody to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit moving in their hearts that then by God's grace brings them into a relationship with God. Now, God uses us to be the conduit to start them thinking or to begin a conversation with people so that they can even hear the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, he convicts the world concerning sin and also righteousness. He says concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. That's Jesus speaking there. And so he convicts the world of how we're to live as believers in Jesus Christ in that righteousness. And then finally, it says that he convicts the world concerning judgment. He says, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, I listen to that and I think, wow, God drew me to himself. That was the first thing when he convicted me of my sin, the Holy Spirit did. The second thing he did was show me what righteousness is so that I can live a righteous life. And finally, judgment. Satan's been judged. I have hope for the future that I will spend eternity with God because Satan's been judged. He only has a short time left on this earth. He can only do so much damage. He's been judged. And I, on the other hand, because I'm righteous in Jesus Christ, I had nothing on my own, but through his righteousness, I get to spend eternity with him and don't have to worry about the judgment of the world or the judgment of Satan. And when you go to evangelize, that's all you have to say to people. I mean, you just give your witness of your experience in being saved and what Jesus has done in your life, what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And then that's it. You're not Holy Spirit Junior, as I heard somebody say one time, but what you are is just a witness to him. And then the Holy Spirit takes it from there. So you don't have to feel like you have to be so persuasive that you have to close the deal or pressure people or anything. It's nothing like that. The Holy Spirit is gracious and knows your spirit, knows the spirit of God, knows the other person's spirit. So he is the one who is able to make those transitions and and make that work into the salvation of someone. So we need to relax about sharing the gospel. Just share it as the wonderful thing that it is. And then let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit is intending to do. And the Holy Spirit can do all of this because he is the triune God. He is the Holy Spirit of the Trinity. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we're given the Great Commission. And in that we're told, go therefore and make disciples of all the lands, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those are Jesus' words, but he brings a triune God in there. Probably the best place to see that the Spirit is God is in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Here, Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now, it was a lot to say in the very beginning. He said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And now he's saying you've lied to God, meaning that the Holy Spirit is God. And as such, he's omniscient. He's all powerful. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11 reminds us that for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Now, who could search the depths of God? Can you? Can I? No. Only God can search the depths of God. He goes on to say, for who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that is in him? So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Only the Spirit, only God could know that. We've talked about the fact he's eternal. We're told in Hebrews 9.14, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So the eternal Spirit offered Jesus without blemish to God. Who's eternal? Only God. God doesn't give his glory to anybody the Holy Spirit must be God. And as we've talked about, the Holy Spirit transforms us by teaching us everything and building righteousness into us. Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, by the way, that means don't think your good deeds are going to save you, but in accordance with his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus has left this world. He is living now in heaven to make intercession for us. So he needed to send us a helper who would be Jesus to us. And that's the Holy Spirit. So when it mentions in that verse, the washing of regeneration, that's salvation. And then the renewing by the Holy Spirit would be, I believe, the sanctification process that the Holy Spirit is in charge of. He's in charge of growing us to make us more and more like Christ so that when it comes time to be glorified at the end with Jesus Christ, we will be more and more like him. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. That means wherever we are, he is. Psalm 139, 7 through 10 reminds us, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you'll be there. And if I made my bed in Sheol, behold, you're there. If I take up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. You may catch that at the beginning when the question is, where can I go from your spirit? We have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us filling us when we allow him to, full of his presence so that we might walk closer with God, so that we might serve God, so that we might live for God and be righteous before God. Debbie, before we close, let's review the activities of the Holy Spirit. 
the power of the Holy Spirit causes us to believe in Jesus Christ. He draws us to Jesus so we get saved through the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. He indwells us once we believe in Jesus. He seals us. So that's a promise forever to be part of God. And he sanctifies us. Think about that. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, it tells us that we should always give thanks to God for you, Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. So God has chosen us to be sanctified, to grow day by day, in and out, as long as we live on this earth. The Holy Spirit is the one who's our teacher, who's going to grow us closer to God, so that when we get to see God, we actually are excited and ready and prepared because we've lived a life on this earth for him. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He also bestows gifts upon each one of us at the moment of salvation. They're not natural abilities like we're born with. They're spiritual gifts that God gives us so that he can equip the saints for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ. What's your spiritual gift? Do you know? Mine's teaching. You may have guessed that. I didn't figure that out for a long time until I realized that what I love to do most, more than anything else, is to study the Word of God and teach it. And I realized that was not my heart before I was a believer. So God will show us what our gift is if we will simply seek Him and desire to use the gift He's given us. Then it will become apparent to you what that gift is. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And he indwells us so that we can have that wonderful, righteous relationship with God. These are important qualities that we need to know and recognize with the Holy Spirit so he can be part of our lives and we can be one with God as best as we can, since we are not God, but be one with him through salvation in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. An important aspect of the Holy Spirit also is he intercedes for us to the Father. We know from Hebrews 7.25 that Jesus is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So we've known that Jesus is our intercessor. He sits at the right hand of God the Father up in heaven interceding for us. But did you know that the Holy Spirit does also? We're told in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us with God the Father as we pray, as we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit will give us the words and he groans with us and mourns with us and guides us in everything that we want to say. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is our intercessor. The only way we can get to heaven is through him. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with God the Father in what we need and what we ask for. How blessed are we to know Jesus as our Savior and to have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So the question we need to ask ourselves today is, are we born again? Have we had a relationship with Jesus Christ, calling him Lord of our lives? Because if we will do that, then we are promised the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit does more for us than we can ever imagine. 
If we haven't committed our life to Jesus, we don't get the Holy Spirit. He's a free gift from God as a result of salvation. If you want the Holy Spirit to indwell you and to lead you and to guide you in all righteousness, turn to Jesus today and you will get a dual benefit. Salvation through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to guide you in everything you do on this earth so that you can walk in a manner worthy of God in everything you do. Now, that's what I call a great walk on this earth. That's what I call the purpose of why we are here on this earth, to give glory to God. And we can only do that through salvation in Jesus Christ and through the power of his Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.